Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and today is Palm Sunday, the Sunday that we celebrate Christ riding on the back of a donkey to Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna and save us by the crowd that greeted him. It is the beginning of what we call Holy Week or Passion Week, the most important week for those who call themselves Christians and seek to follow Christ. So come, let's explore together. Come on in. Our first lesson is Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye wastes away from grief, my soul and body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery, and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have passed out of mind like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror all around, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our passage today, our second reading and focus text, is Matthew's account of this day, Palm Sunday. If you are a churchgoer of any time and place, these words, this story will be familiar to you. So I invite you, to listen again with fresh ears. I invite you to see the images. I invite you to put yourself in the scene and in the moment of what happens. Let us see what new thing God is saying to us today through Matthew 21, 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem and have reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. 
they brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him. The crowds that went ahead of him followed and were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I was thinking this week about epic confrontations. And so I want you to help me think for a moment. I'll give you seven to nine seconds to think about literature or music or movies or television shows that have epic confrontations. It could be individuals, it could be groups. I'll I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Charlie Daniels song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. That was the devil and Johnny the fiddle player, epic confrontation. What else? And say it out. It's always a little bit hard for me to hear you way back there. The Maury Povich Show. Well done. Yes, epic conflict for a variety of reasons. Yes, well said and stated. Thank you. Jaws. So the shark and uh, I guess Chief Brody. Toward the end, you knew there was an epic coming together of those two entities. Very good. What's that? Okay. WWE wrestling, yes. You have your characters and you know they're going to come together and square off at some point. I heard something over here. Our Congress. How about that? <laughs> Lefties and righties, you know, are going to be epically uh, uh, confronting one another. Uh, that's a part of the way our system is created. Um, so, yes, well done. Give me two more. Rocky, yes. Rocky and anyone he fights, but we can lift up Ivan Drago, the Russian. I must break you. Hmm. In that one, it was representing not just two fighters. You had the nations at war through the fighters. Yes. One more. Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Yes. Yes. Little Daniel versus... Uh, The Cobra Kai, all the bad guys, Mr. Miyagi versus the, what was his name? The leader of the Cobra Kai, that guy. Yes, you knew from the beginning there would be an epic battle at the end of that movie where our hero and the bad guys would be together and what would happen then. I'm also reminded of pretty much any Western movie that you see with the gunslingers who on a sachet into town and good guy and the bad guy meet each other out in the front of the streets. A lot of Clint Eastwood movies. You're going to pull them pistols or whistle, whistle Dixie. Sorry, I messed it up. Yes, epic confrontations. Today, I stipulate that there's an epic 
confrontation going on on this original and first Palm Sunday that we continue to wrestle with every day. So let's take a look and remember that we're in the Gospel of Matthew. We are starting what we call Holy Week. Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday, Jesus entering in. Sometimes we call it the triumphal entry and will end next Sunday when Jesus is raised from the dead. I've peaked. I don't want to spoil it for you, but that's what happens. And this week is significant. Vicki walked a little bit through every day. So once Jesus enters, there will be significant teachings on every day until he gets to Thursday and Friday And it's as if he says, I have spoken enough, I have taught enough, you have everything you need. Now I have to show you, I have to experience this and we're all gonna go through this together even though I am accepting God's will for me on your behalf. So today starts, as Vicki said, the most significant week in our Christian journey. So this is Matthew's gospel. Matthew, if you remember the first book of the four gospels, the first book in the New Testament, bridging all of our Hebrew Bible, Old Testament understanding, bringing all those prophecies from the Old Testament to start the New Testament so folks can see that Jesus is indeed the fulfillment of all of those messianic prophecies. That is Matthew, one of Matthew's specific goals, even more than the other three gospels. He is connecting the dots from Jews, uh, the, the Jewish people, to Jesus being the Messiah. So with that in mind, Matthew tells his story. Stowarts on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus is in complete control of these events. We don't want to mischaracterize Jesus as being passive and allowing himself to be abandoned and abused and everything is outside of his control. Rather, it is the opposite. Jesus is setting up everything and calling the shots. His life is not taken from him. He gives his life. He is in control even when he gives himself. So starts on the Mount of Olives, sends his disciples. You will find the donkey and the colt. And whoever the owner is of those animals must know Christ. Enough to say, well, if the master needs them, if the Lord needs them, take them. And then there is the prophet. Again, Matthew bringing out the prophets. This is Zechariah 9.9. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus wasn't the first one to do this. Kings have done this prior. When they want to send a message of peace, they do not come in on the stallion with their armies. They come in on a donkey. But clearly this is what Jesus is seeking to convey. So they went and did that. And then the green carpet is assembled for Jesus. Someone of Status, someone who is being celebrated, somebody who people are celebrating. They put their cloaks down sometimes on the road and the branches, palm branches or branches of whatever is around there, they make the green carpet for Jesus. 
to celebrate him, that he is someone that they are praising and celebrating. Even if they don't quite know, what do they say? Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. As Vicki mentioned, Hosanna is that word that is a praise, but it also is translated, save us. And so we have a sense that enough people understand that Jesus has some kind of power or they wouldn't say, save us. When you find yourself in trouble, who do you go to to get help? Someone who has the power to help you. It was the same here. They saw Jesus as some kind of authority and were saying, praise be to you, Jesus, save us. And the mention of the son of David is a messianic connection. So some get it, but let's listen to see how others lift him up. So he entered Jerusalem. The whole city was in turmoil asking, who is this? And they say, oh, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So we have several identification markers for who Jesus is here. They lift up the prophecy from Zechariah that talks about kings. And in that sense, Jesus is being compared to a king. Son of David is that messianic connection. And then at the end, they say, oh, it's Jesus the prophet. Just like Isaiah, just like Jeremiah, just like Ezekiel. And many of them do not fully understand who Jesus is. Many have been following and see, have seen him do miracles and teachings and casting out of demons and walking on the water and calming the sea and breaking the bread and feeding the people. And because they have to be in Jerusalem, this is Passover, one of their required travel feasts and festivals. The place is packed. but they wouldn't have come for Jesus if they didn't think he was someone with some kind of power. So there is that. Even if they don't know who he is, they know something's going on and they're willing to give him the benefit of the doubt at this point. And then on the other side, we know that Pilate is coming to town the prefect, the governor, who doesn't always live in Jerusalem, but is there simply because the Jewish numbers have swelled for Passover. They know it will double, triple, quadruple in size in that small town. So he's coming in on the west side. Jesus comes in on the east. And at the same time, Jesus is coming in. Pilate is coming in with what? the whole power of the Roman Empire behind him. He is on the stallion, the war horse. He is coming with shields and swords and spears, coming with chariots, coming with the army behind him, all the power and might of the empire storming in the west gate. It would be fun to see this from an aerial view. Jesus and his procession coming in the east side, and Pilate and his procession on the west side. 
So at the end of this passage, it says, the people, the city was in turmoil. Why is the city in turmoil? And they give us a clue. Who is this? So there must have been a lot of people in town that have come from out of town. Therefore, they may not have seen Jesus doing Jesus's ministry up to this point. Maybe they haven't participated. Maybe they haven't been in the circles that Jesus traveled with or been a witness to any of the miracles or teachings. And so there's a lot of people there in the city who are thinking, who is this? And at the same time, You've got the processional here and the processional here. There is a confrontation. There is a showdown of Jesus and the power that he brings and Pilate and the power that he brings and represents. The city is in turmoil because they don't know what to do, who to listen to. They're being pulled different directions And more than Jesus coming to Jerusalem and being celebrated, there is a dichotomy. There is a dualistic understanding of what is happening. And at some point in that city, they're going to have to choose. Whose procession do they want to be a part of? I read an article by someone named Michael K. Marsh from something called Interrupting the Silence. He likened these two to being focused on power and what the world says is success or being focused on the life in Christ that we're being called to. I'd like to share with you two quick paragraphs, one of his understanding of each He'll start with the focus on worldly power. My own experience of worldly power is that he's talking about what happens to himself when he follows that procession. I begin to live closed, afraid, and defensive. I must always be strong and on guard. When I focus on the world's power, the world gets divided between us and them, friend and foe, good and bad. I calculate, quantify, rationalize, and justify. There's an edge and a hardness to life and my relationships. I take things too seriously and too personally. Others become means to an end. Motives and feelings are either disguised or ignored. I try to become overly self-sufficient. I need to be right to prove myself, to have the final word. I become the center of my world. Anybody? Me. And then he says the opposite, the other side, to a life focused on Christ. When I focus on a life with Christ, the world seems larger and more beautiful. I am open, vulnerable, and receptive. My relationships are characterized by intimacy and gratitude. I am inspired in the breath, and I breathe just a bit more deeply. My mind is open and willing to learn and change. My heart is open and willing to love, forgive, and risk being broken. 
The will to focus on a life with Christ lets me to see the fragility of people and relationships. It invites self-giving, self-sacrifice, self-surrender. Concern for justice, compassion, and human dignity come to the forefront. God feels closer, more tangible, and located in the ordinary. I am wholehearted, enthusiastic, energetic. I no longer need to be in total control. Life is not about me. Instead, it is about the life that Christ calls me to. Those are polar opposites. It is the procession in life that Christ calls us to, or it is the procession in life that Pilate, representing the world's powers, call us to. And the reality is, it's not just black and white. We don't just choose one and we're in, we check our box and we go. We know that every day we are in both of these processions. Sometimes we are faithful. Sometimes we are focused on others. Sometimes we seek that relationship with Christ through study and prayer and service and worship. And then some days we are just the opposite. We are in it for us. We have to be right. We will not listen. There is nothing more for us to learn. It is us and them. I don't care about oppressed or other people. I will get mine, and it is about me and taking care of my people. We are both of those every day. But the call today at the beginning of this Holy Week and then every day after is to make an intentional decision to be in Christ's procession. Because if we don't get up every day and choose and say intentionally, I am with Christ, then we get sucked up in the world's procession. We get sucked up behind Pilate because that's just the way the flow of the culture goes. We must have the courage to wake every day, reassign, reassert, reprofess and affirm that we are seeking to follow Christ. And we know we will come in and out of both camps. Life is not black and white. Often it is in the gray. We have two choices to make today at the beginning of this Holy Week journey. Which procession will we choose? Hallelujah. Amen.